Welcome to Summon Your Superhuman. I'm your host, Ria Mestiza, holistic health coach, mind-body performance practitioner, and this is the Pull the Curtains Back insight into how everyday superheroes have experienced tapping into their superhuman potential. To go from fear, frustration, and struggle to soaring next-level astronomical heights, I believe we all have more amazing within us than we know. I believe we all have unique superpowers, and I believe we all deserve to be our superhuman best. So let's dive in. Today, I have a special guest coming to us from Canada. Her name is Nelia Hutt. She is the CEO of Travel Live Give. She is also the host of the Giving Starts, not the Giving, Giving Starts With You podcast, which I have been, I've had the honor of being a guest on. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please do. I'll pop it in the show notes. And she's also the founder of the Ukulele Project. She's an author of Giving My Heart Room to Breathe. uh, And she's just an amazing superhuman that I'm so fortunate to, I I just feel blessed to having known you, Nelia. So please, thank you. Thank you for being here today and welcome to the show. Ria, 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 what can I say? Um, Thank you so much for that warm welcome. And thanks for coming on the show because you were one of my most favorite interviews. And I I feel like we hit it off right from the beginning. It touched my heartstrings. So I appreciate that genuine part of you. So thank you for inviting me today. Uh, It's my pleasure. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while now, but I I wanted to make sure that I finished reading your, your beautiful book that you've just released recently. And just wow. But before we go into your book, actually, I would just there's a there's a theme here that I think really pronounces itself. If you have, you haven't already cottoned on, she likes giving. There's a giving theme here, <laughs> and even ukulele project. So I mean, tell us where where are the roots of this giving that that comes from you? Yeah. So as you probably read in my story, but to make a long story short, um, I think it was the day my father passed away. I decided that day that I was going to live my life differently and I didn't want to just be taking up space. And I saw how quick things were in the end and how much it mattered in the scheme of life, you know? And my son, when he was six, he started his own project. It's called Evans Loot Bags for the Homeless and kind of came out of nowhere. I thought it was his way of not um, going to sleep on time, you know, you come in and he says, mom, mom, I want to, you know, do, do homeless people um, have loot bags? And here in Canada, loot bags are little gift bags that mm-hmm. guests receive when they go to a party, like if you're a child. Okay. So I said, no, I don't think they really get invited to, you know, to, um, to birthday parties very much. And he says, well, tomorrow morning, we're going to get up early and we're going to go and, and, and give them something. We're going to go and buy a gift. And I'm like, okay, okay, go, go to bed. You know, you're like, it's past your bedtime. We'll talk about this tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And first thing the next day, you know, being Canada, it was close to Christmas and there was snow blowing everywhere. And it was like minus 24 degrees. And he woke up, come and got me. And uh, he had a whole plan. And we drove to, I remember driving to Walmart and not knowing what we were going to do, but he figured it out in that half an hour between getting in the car and getting our first donation and buying our first thing. And he really taught me because we went out in that storm and it felt amazing. You know, we weren't like 
doing massive change, you know, like it was yeah. just something small, yeah. but it was, it was beautiful. And we still do it today. We just did our ninth one last month and yeah. he's 15 and he continues with it. And I think I got it from him, honestly, the innocence of a child mm. between him and what happened with my father. I think that's where it comes from, honestly. That's beautiful. And I, I don't think that there's any change too small. You know, it's, it's if we all did our part, you know, we all make the world a better place in our own way. So I, that's beautiful that your son is your inspiration. And they, he yeah. is. Yeah. And he, I told him when we had finished that, I said, if you can go back to your class, you know, there's 400 students in your elementary school and this was grade one. And I said, if you can go back and tell them what you're doing, and if each child could pick one day of that year and do something, everybody in the city would be covered, you know? And uh, it's true. It just takes a, one little idea. It doesn't have to be. Yes. I talk a lot. I'm warning your audience already. <laughs> well, that's why you have a book right now. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the, the giving my heart room to breathe. So this is really... Uh, this is not just something you wrote overnight. This has been a journey in the writing, a journey in the living, and a journey in the in the breathing through the the development of this this book over the last. It's actually longer than ten years now. It's it's yeah. Um, so sixteen sixteen years. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be sixteen years that my father passed this Christmas. Mm. Um, but it was the first year of his anniversary that I actually started writing the book as a journal. Mm -hmm. And I would only write it at Christmas because, um, so I come from a Portuguese family, very traditional. And the way that most people celebrate Christmas day is how we celebrate Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Christmas day to us for some, it just kind of is part of Christmas Eve. Like we stay up the whole time. Um, and my father um, actually was buried on Christmas Eve. So for us, Christmas had never been the same. Um, so once, you know, the children, because we had, we went from no children and then my father passed away to having five, six children in our family. Mm -hmm. um, so Christmas became all about the children, right? Which thank goodness, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it changed our perspective. Um, but when the house became quiet and everybody went to bed, that's the first thing I, was do, I would do was take out my notebook. And uh, before my father had actually passed away, I vigorously would write down, I would interview him and write down, I still have the little pieces of paper and I did it in pencil. I don't recommend that because 10 years later, when you're trying to read it, it's very hard. Yeah. But I remember just shorthand, you know, really fast trying to get everything in there. But um, yeah, so I would do that every year. I would write for about 20 minutes and then I just couldn't do it and I put it away. And then a year later, so I had been writing it for almost 15 years, yeah. but not, you know, not regularly. It wasn't until um, December of last year that I said, you know, I'm ready. Um, my healing, I feel like I'm in a good place and um, I need to get this out. So it came out in May of this year. So I'm really proud of it, actually. That's beautiful. Thank and you. Journaling, I, I'm. What, what do you? I mean, I think journaling is is a valuable tool in in any sense. Um, but what are your thoughts on journaling and and how it's it's transcended for you? Before um, I went through this difficult time in my life, I never journaled. 
I just didn't know where else to turn. So it was something that was private that I didn't have to share with anybody. I wasn't ready to speak about what had happened. So I thought, let me just start writing. And then I couldn't stop. Um, I don't tend to journal when things are okay, which is something I'm changing because now I'm doing gratitude journals and doing other things because I have come so far. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, in the beginning, I just did it to help through my pain. That's, you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I think that's where we, we all tend to start when we feel like we don't have anywhere else to turn. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very encouraging of people to, you know, I like to call it a brain dump at sometimes when people feel so overwhelmed by their thoughts, I'm like, just write it down. And it, it creates clarity within us in some shape or form and in, in your form it, it was you know a yearly journal or a yearly note to self of I guess how it's just checking in with how you were uh coping and feeling at that time and you know even though you didn't intend to share it you ended up <laughs> no I didn't I didn't it was the last three chapters that I wrote after I had intended to share it then mm -hmm. I said, okay, I need to make this go somewhere. You know, it's not just about my story, but because, you know, it, it's great when you're sharing your story with people, you hope that something in that story is going to help someone. Um, but while you're writing it, it's just really for you. Like mm -hmm. I did it for me at first and I did it for my dad, which I read to him. Um, and it just, it gave me a place to put all my anger and my sadness and everything where I could do it quietly by myself you know because a big part of my my issue was that I couldn't express the way that I was feeling mm -hmm. and so the book was something that really helped me do that let's uh let's introduce the listeners to your father tell us a little bit about him oh my goodness what do I say he was complex let me tell you um <laughs> Oh, you know, all the things, and I don't know if this is, this is the same with most parents and children, but all the things that I used to be embarrassed about are the things I miss the most, mm. you know, like he used to, so he was a musician, he was a carpenter as well, but what he loved was that he was a musician and he would pull out his accordion and pull out his harmonica, play them at the same time while banging drums with his feet and it would be like this big show and I would be like rolling my eyes in the corner, you know, I'd be like, Oh my God, if I could just like, if the floor could open up and just swallow yeah. me whole. And he used to be part of like these little comedy skits and things. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, I was mortified because he had to, he played um, a role of a woman and he wore my clothes during this <laughs> thing. I never wore those dresses again. <laughs> hilarious he'd be like the clown um in front of everybody but behind closed doors he was very lonely he was very depressed um he had um gotten hurt on the job and there therefore couldn't work and i when that had happened he had started drinking and he had started just becoming his self-worth just plummeted um coming from an immigrant family a lot of the men feel as if they have to be the breadwinners it's that old state of mind right yeah. so even though my dad was young but but even having that old-fashioned type of mentality when it comes to when it came to work he did all the cooking he did all the laundry he took care of all the kids more so than my mom so it was it's kind of like I don't know he was a bit 
modern, but a bit not modern, you know, what I, you know, but he was, he was yeah. funny. Mm-hmm. He was funny, but when he was serious, you know, watch out. He was serious, you know, it's just very extreme. And as an adult, I think I understand him more now because I think I'm a lot like him where I have that extreme. And honestly, sometimes I feel guilty because if I had known now and grown um, to who I am today back then, before he had passed, I think I could have been able to help him. So that is my heaviness, you know, that Mm -hmm. I think I could have been able to see past, you know, the anger sometimes we have toward our parents or, you know, things like that. We had a complex relationship, but not one day would go by where he wouldn't call me just to say, hey, what's the weather doing up where you live? You know, and I love you like every day, which was great. Even if we fought or, you know, and he was a small man, like I was towered over him. (laughs) But yeah, I think one of the things I miss the most is his voice. I don't remember what he sounds like. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot there. And Mm -hmm. You know, without having personally known your father, I I do feel like, you know, not just from reading the book, but by knowing you that um, I do feel like I, I know him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I tried to throw in a couple of uh, funny stories in the middle of all the chaos in the book. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And for, for if anything, you know, it's, it's a personality like your father and like yourself that, you know, is so passionate. And it, it 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 is it is all or nothing. It's it's happy, yes. musical, or it's sad and depressed, and um, it's it's real, you know. At the end of the day, and and I guess that's why he makes such beautiful music. Um, yes, he did. He that he did for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm so glad that that has continued in our family. Mm-hmm. My son, um, I was pregnant when my father died, and um, I had just lost. Um, a pregnancy about a year before that. So my son was my second pregnancy. So I was very concerned through all the stress that that, you know, maybe wouldn't have gone to term. But, you know, they say that sometimes, you know, when a door closes, something opens. And I really do feel that my son is so much like my father. He's a musician. He's kind. He's like strong-willed, like the, you know, the whole gamut. And I really do feel that, you know, he was my you know, person that kind of helped me through. So, yeah. I don't, I don't believe in coincidences and, you know, reading through and and learning that you you, you became pregnant, you know, he, he was your miracle throughout that time. And, yeah, the, the crossover, I'm sure that there's a lot of your father's spirit very well alive in your son. You know, there's... Thank you. Um, yes, I have a brother who's four, year, four years younger, And I had tried to get pregnant for 10 years. And the time that I at least connected with my husband was when my father was sick. Mm -hmm. So I was shocked. And I would look at my husband and I'm like, now? Like, it made me angry. Like, why now? Like, I haven't even seen you. Like, when was the last time we got together? (laughs) You know? And I remember it was about a week or two before my father died. And I was giving him the news. And my brother had just left. 
the room and had the same news. And I didn't even know. Only my mother knew we were both coming with this beautiful news that we were, you know, and it was one thing that he really, really wanted to do was be a grandfather. So it was a hard day. I was glad that I told him, but I still, you know, should I, should, should I not have, right? Yeah. But definitely a blessing. And I do believe that my father helped me write my book. I, I didn't, I never paused. I never rewrote any of the parts. It's just straight the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, even my editor, she just, you know, grammar. It wasn't like, it was just raw, like the way that I, that I had written it. Um, but, you know, my son, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but my son had a sleeping disorder for um, until just, you know, a few years ago where he just couldn't sleep. And quite often I would find him. My dad used to stay here um, when he was sick and in one of the bedrooms and it became my son's bedroom. And um, quite often I would find my son sitting up talking, um, walking over to the same corner where the bed used to be, Mm. you know, and would talk. And I had him, you know, checked for epilepsy and I had him do sleep tests and everything. And they recorded him. And I'm like, yes, that's what he does. And he wasn't even speaking in a language that anybody could understand, but he would have these 45 minute, 60 minute conversations. And so when they recorded it, it was very odd to see in that way, where he's just sitting in the dark and talking. And he did that for years. And I honestly just felt like it was my dad saying, hey, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like this connection between the two of them. So I do feel that the two kids that were born at that time, you know, came to, to help my brother and I, honestly. Yeah. I really believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Rhea, you know, one thing that I learned through all of this, Yeah. you know, life, um, we go, everybody goes through things, you know, we go through celebrations and we go through lots of different things and people lose people every day, you know? And Mm -hmm. yes, I miss my father tremendously. Um, but something happened to me when he died. So I could see all this, you know, around life, you know, we, we do our things, we go in and out of our daily schedule. But when he died, I had never seen anybody die in front of me before. And when he passed away, I kind of looked over to my mom, he, he wanted to die at home. And we had all our family was in the room. And um, I looked at my mom and I said, is that it? Because he wasn't moving. And sorry to be so graphic, but it's what it's my, this is the problem with my thinking right at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom's like, yes, he's gone. And I said, well, what do you mean? Just like that? Like, it was so anticlimactic. I was expecting, like, I don't know if I was expecting this big noise or, you Mm -hmm. know, something to drop or like, I really, I don't know. And I was just kind of like, well, you know, we're rushing to work. It's all like anxiety and rushing and chaos. And, you know, but in the end, no matter where you are, what you die from, any of those things, most people, it's peaceful. Most people, it's just, it's a second, like not even a second. And in that moment, I wasn't even sure what was going on, you know? And I stepped out of the room, take a breath, and to go and see my best friend and my brother was coming in the house. So I had to tell my brother and all I could think of was, okay, I need to change my life. Like that's the first thing that came to me. And I'm like, I don't want my life to end just like that. Like I want there to be 
something that, you know, my mother could look back on and say, hey, you know, she did this or just something that impacts somebody, you know. So I realized that day that my life wasn't about me anymore. Like my life was honestly about interacting with other people. But then I got stuck and I couldn't do anything. You know, I I just, I couldn't. um, So I had all these things that I wanted to do in my mind, but, but I became so engulfed in helping my family. And like, I put on like a business hat and I was like, okay, I'm the one, cause I'm the one who speaks English. You know, my yeah. brother's not going to do this stuff. I'm the one that needs to call the corner. I'm the one that needs to call the doctor. I'm the one that needs to call all these things. So I just got rid of all my feelings in that minute, mm-hmm. you know, we're leading up to that. I was crying and I was feeling all these things. I just, I couldn't do it. And I stayed like that for 12 years. And that's what the book is about. Don't do that. If you're, if you're going through grief, do not do what I did. Don't suppress your feelings, you know, and that's my message because it's, it makes things so much worse. See, I talk a lot. I told you. No, I, I think it's important. Everything that you just shared, you know, and I, I, I've, you know, I've experienced a lot of loss of people, um, you know, some people at my age still have never experienced loss of anyone close and um, it doesn't get any easier and how you deal with each is different. Each is unique. And in your situation, you did have to, you know, summon the strength really to coordinate all the things that needed to be done. You know, you, you distracted yourself with your duty and, you know, you did what you had to do, except unfortunately it took you a while to come out of that. Um, yes. <laughs> go back to experiencing the sadness and grief and, and, and all of the things. So, yeah, it's a, it's a massive lesson that thankfully. Don't recommend it. You don't recommend it? No, no absolutely not. <laughs> but I was, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself out of it, you know, but eventually I had to, I had to um, come to the conclusion that, you know, even if I've got all these people who love me around me, nobody's going to come and save me from myself. Like I need to do it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I realized that, that things started to change and I could do the work. But I, I honestly, um, I think it wasn't until my son was about nine that I finally exhaled. And I was like, okay, he's born. Yeah, my father died. All this stuff happened. I lost my job. I bought a new house. Like all these things, all these things. And then it just kind of fell apart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. I think that was a good thing. Like sometimes we're, we're, we get gifts in, in the chaos and in the sadness, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you reading the book. Everything has to happen the way it's meant to happen. And this is the way it was meant to unfold for you. And, you know, I, I, I pray that you can let go of any regret or any remorse or any of that heaviness that I know, you know, now know that you have been carrying a little bit with you is, is just, yeah, you, you had to go through this and everything had to happen the way it was meant to, unfortunately, is, you know, <sighs> As shitty as it was, really, but um, I I opened up your book before our, our podcast today, and it was I I always find meaning when I open a page. You know, sometimes you just kind of open a page to a book, and you're like, "I'm meant to read this page." Mm-hmm. And 
Well, it, yeah, it opened it, and it opened straight cleanly to chapter 19, which is experiencing loss. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll read it because I'm not sure whether this is, I'm just going to believe that this, I meant to read this. Experiencing loss. We must remember that every behavioural journey of loss is as individual as the person feeling it. Every behaviour and grief response makes sense for the person that is feeling it. However, there are steps through grief that everyone feels. Grief is both an emotional thing as well as a mental thing. And I feel that's where I'm meant to end. How does physical. that? I should have added it physical too, because yeah, you just feel like the world is sitting on your shoulders, you know? And I think the reason why I became stuck in the grief was not so much. I knew, I knew my father was sicker and sicker. I knew that inevitably this was going to happen. The part that I had a very, very difficult time with um, to be honest with you, was leading all the way up to that day. Because, um, you know, I saw him as a certain way. And the things that, these are the things that are still hard for me to talk about. <laughs> um, the suffering, the needless pain that, you know, he didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. um, the moments that I would find him crying in front of the mirror. And he, to me, he was always a strong person, even though he was tiny, right? Or yeah. bold. He was always like bigger than himself, you know, this big persona. Mm -hmm. um, to find him doing that in hiding and not recognize himself. Um, those are the things that I can't seem to let go of completely. I'm almost there. But I think that is the reason why it was everything, every moment, every day, every memory leading up to that. And I do wish that I had known him a bit better before those days. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until um, he became really ill that I stopped doing the things that didn't matter anymore and really listened and, you know, was living more in the moment. And I had wished that, you know, like, like most of us do. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame myself for that. I don't feel, you know, guilty about that. That's just the way it was. And I probably would be the same way had I not gone, gone through something that changed my mind about it, right? Um, but yeah, it, it's a good reminder, I think. So now I try to do that with my mom. It's a good reminder to just, um, you know, turn the television off and leave the dishes after the big Christmas party and just sit down, you know, and hug her or just sit and like tell stories or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. dishes will be there. I'll get my son to do them, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's just choosing what, what's important in your life, choosing what matters to you. And that could be something completely different for me than it is for you. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Presence being in the moment, appreciation of the, those we love, you know, whilst we, we, we are together because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And you were one of the, I guess the, the inspiration for me interviewing my father a year ago, uh, you know, because you were just like, just do it. Because I was like, I've been thinking about doing it. You're like, just do it, you know. And from your example of, of saying you'd wish that you had um, had done that. And so I did, you know, I literally leapt on it and and did that video recording. I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy when I heard that you did because I was like, yes, you know, that would be a, such a memory for you. Yeah, and I, I do. It doesn't matter what. No, it's okay. I was just going to say, you know, it was so important 
all the things, and I haven't heard it yet, but I really want to. Um, but I'm sure he said all these beautiful things that you wanted to hear or, you know, and just be honest and you learn some things about him, but just the memory of sitting there or standing there or wherever you were and doing the thing is in itself beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of what was spoken about or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you did that. Me too. You know, I, I shared most of it because, uh, you know, there are there were a couple of stories and I was like, people don't need to hear that. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, I was so proud of him to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, I'll do it. And uh, he was just more than happy to share. And I fatigued him. I, I no doubt by the end of it, he was like, is that enough? And I'm like, that's that's plenty. Thank you. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I'd love to do more. And, and now I really try to bank all of his stories and, and all of these, you know, because, yeah, it's it's the memories that are going to stay with us long after, and and the stories we'll share. And I and I'm so thankful that the people actually appreciated hearing uh, what my dad had to say uh, as well. I had really good feedback about that. That I can't wait. I'm so sorry. I apologize for not being able to listen to it yet, but I was so so happy. You should have seen the smile when I heard you were doing that. It was <laughs> awesome. So happy. Now you just got to do it for your mom too. Yeah, I already told her. I'm like, you know, next. she's like, oh, I'm not very good. I'm, I'm, I don't, not very confident speaking and stuff like that. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> we're gonna do one. <laughs> I won't know. make anybody hear yours then. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I wanted to to touch upon the the ukulele project. So obviously, it's in your background for anyone that's watching the video. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the ukulele project. Yeah, so one of the things, you know, two things that helped me after those 12 years, um, you know, how did how did things change, right? So two of the things that really helped me was the connection through music. So music for me is a celebratory thing. It's also the only thing that helped me express my feelings. I would cry a lot. I would listen to heavy metal and scream a lot because I do like metal. Um, I like lots of different music. Um, I play certain instruments, but I wasn't able to do that. So it was mostly just listening and writing. Um, and I always, you know, with my son being involved in the giving and everything, and my father was a giver, so, and my mom. So I thought, you know, it's time. It's time to make that promise come true and do more than just live for me, right? So ukulele project was a small stepping stone to something I hope that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It was just an idea that we had. Um, we ended up going to Guatemala. We raised the funds to get some ukuleles together. Um, we flew down there and I've always wanted to go to a third world country. I uh, was a little bit afraid to do so. Um, went with someone that I know who's been there before. So it was a great opportunity to do it. And uh, connected with them there. And I knew that I couldn't help with medical. Um, they're in extreme poverty there, right? So I knew I couldn't help, you know, with tons of money. I knew I couldn't start this big, you know, anti, like this big movement. I knew that I couldn't, you know, I wasn't a physician. I couldn't help them with medical care. But I knew mental health. And I knew how it felt to feel although not like what they feel because completely different world. And I would never pretend to know that lifestyle, 
Um, but I knew how much it helped me. And I knew that it was the only thing that could give me joy is the only thing that really connected me with my heart. And that's actually how I came up with the title of the book. I didn't know how, what to call the book. And I kept saying music makes my, gives my heart room to breathe. And my editor said, that's what you should call your book is that your heart. You know what I mean? So that's how, anyways, on a side note, because music does, music does that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I could do that. So I said, let's, let's help these children forget that they were hungry. Let's help them forget that they didn't really have a soft place to sleep. Let's just let them have fun and let them be children. And not everything needs to be this heavy thing that I have been carrying around with me. And it changed my life changed my life it was amazing so great and they gave me so much more than I could ever give them um I have so many stories but I won't go into them but I have met so many wonderful people um there and we're we're getting together and doing some other projects um that I'll be starting and it'll be on my website but I wanted to go back in July of, of last year but COVID hit it hit right when I came back and then I got angry because I came home and the, the flights had uh, all stopped two days later. And, you know, I say this every time, but I remember how angry and I hadn't been angry like that in a long time. And I remember being so angry when I got home and hearing people in, in Canada and the States and complaining uh, that they had to stay home and they couldn't go to work. And I'm like, man, I just came from this place where these kids had dengue fever and now they have COVID. They're already starving. And here we are comfortable in our homes. We might get a week or two off because nobody knew what COVID was going to be right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I felt like everybody was so ungrateful. It really bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. So it took me a little while to kind of get over that, to be honest with you. Um yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I preach now is everybody needs to go somewhere, somewhere outside of their comfort zone. Even if it's take a vacation, like these places are beautiful. Like Guatemala is so gorgeous. The scenery, the people, everything, mm-hmm. you know, go on a week vacation, but take a couple of those days and help out. Like it doesn't take a lot, you know, to make, to make this huge difference. Yeah. And in those countries, the smallest thing can make a huge impact. Like you can feed a family of 10 for a week for $60, you know, like, yeah, you know, skip your pizza. And, you know, like I just, it doesn't mean you have to give the clothes off your back and you have to, you know, go into the nunnery and you got to do all these things, you know, yeah. but something teach your children, you know, to, I don't know. So the ukulele project. Yes. I want to go back. I wanted to go back in October, right right now but mm-hmm. sadly they're one of the last countries to even um get their first vaccines so yeah so um the poor countries are countries that are usually last um so i'm hoping to go in march and i have 10 guests that have been on my podcast that are waiting to come with me so i am so happy so i'm like absolutely come with me bring ukuleles we'll go down there you know and one person wants to build a garden and the other person wants to help the the company that's down there which is fundamaya um to do you know taxes and somebody else wants to do this and somebody else, and i'm like yeah come down come down you know 
Mm-hmm. And it's not because I created this big thing. It's just music. Yeah. You know, it's just one idea. Right. Mm-hmm. But sorry, I could go on and on about Guatemala. I have so many beautiful <laughs> stories. Like it was just, yeah. Changed my life. Absolutely. Honestly. And and you're doing your part to help change this. And it's it's not just music and it's not just the little movement. It means a lot to them and it means a lot to you and these guests that are going to be able to come with you and make their impact and sustainability and, and teaching their skills. You know, we all have skills and we all have that, you know, innate desire to give and to share and to help other people uh, despite all the stresses in the world. So, yeah, I think it's a beautiful project and I'm, I'm glad to, you know, have contributed in some way to, to that project yes. as well. Thank you so <laughs> let much. Me, let me choose a colour of the ukulele. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for all your support. And, you know, at that time, it just felt like the right project. I felt my father with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book and it was just so bonding, like for all of us. And it was so beautiful. We had, we didn't speak Spanish and we actually learned um, a song. It was Hola Guatemala and it was very catchy, but it was just welcoming um, Guatemalan with Canadians. And so we had created the song and kind of learned it on Duolingo, you know, the translation, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it, it's just, yeah, but so many other things have come out of that, you know, being able to to give a family a fridge so that they can now open their own business through COVID and survive. Like little things have, mm-hmm. have led to bigger and bigger things, which is, it's so beautiful. I remember being on the plane and I just bawled. I was in Dallas. So I'm in Toronto and I went from Toronto to Dallas and then Dallas to Guatemala city. And my husband's like, are you okay? Cause I hate flying. I hate it. So I was like, are you okay? Like, it's okay. We only have one more transfer, you know? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'm like, don't talk to me. I need to write my book. So I got my little journal out, right? I started writing. And then I read it back and it just says, here I am on the tarmac. You know, I can't believe this is finally coming true. And I was just overwhelmed with, oh my God, I'm going to be there soon. I'm going to be there soon, you know? Yeah. And it was just amazing. I cannot wait to go back. I cannot wait. Amazing. It's Sorry, I'm just passionate about Guatemala now. <laughs> See passion, passion, but it's good. You know, I think that everybody should experience going to places where, uh, you know, we we take for granted what we have, and it's important to open your eyes to how happy people can be with so little. You know, oh, <laughs> no bullying, no bullying there. From what I, you know, and I spoke with some of the locals and. What they kept telling me is we appreciate, you know, that you're helping us with food and we appreciate all these things, but more than money, we want you guys to come and teach us skills. You know, if you're able to buy sewing machine, bring that and help us, you know, make these, it's like all educational. If you're able to teach a business course, go down and just help them learn how to open a business. Like most of them, not a business, a bank account. Most of them don't even have a bank account, right? Yes. And it's very different there. Like just to give you one example, one quick example, this one family is, is that I know is behind on their electricity, for example, and electricity is $14 us a month. Um, because they're behind on that um, and their taxes, they're not allowed in the cemetery. So they have a couple of people in their family who are ill and they are deathly afraid that 
when their time comes and they will pass on that they will not know what to do because they don't have access. So if you're behind on any of your taxes or anything, you're kind of stuck. That frightens me, you know, or you're, you're a single mom of eight children and you have diabetes and you don't have $20 to go and get medication, the doctor's visit and the, and the ride three hour ride to the hospital for $20. You know, and that is scary to me. Um, And the kids, the kids work. So they're like 10 years old. Um, They work for half the day and then they go to school and then they come home and they work again, you know, but they're all happy children. Mm -hmm. They're happy. They're laughing. They're, there's no electronics. They're just like, it's just beautiful. You know, it's just, just what they know, you know? So an outsider coming in, Don't assume what people want. If you're going to go and help out, ask them what they need because you have no idea. And the last thing you want to do is go to a place that you know nothing about and the culture and everything and and kind of take over, you know, like Mm -hmm. go with good intentions, but be open to to finding out what it is that they need because that's the best way you can help. I only, I did music, but, you know, I mean, there are other things that I want to do there, but something maybe perhaps more impactful. But for me at that time, um it was great loved it music is a skill a gift that you have the same as your father and I mean music just fills the soul like I have come strong from a strong musical background as well and um yeah music definitely speaks to me very very I don't know it it, yes it's it's a language of love let's just call it that it just came to me just now but um that's something I didn't know about you thank you for sharing that Absolutely. Well, if you if you know Filipinos, they're all about music. They sing, dance, love it, live it, breathe it, karaoke every house, play yes. Um, And I think that's one of the my my favorite memories is you know sitting in some areas where my mom is from and, and my family's from that are you know we would call them poor because they don't have simple necessities that that we again take for granted but we at nighttime under the low lights of the lamps and fires you know my uncles and 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 cousins would sit around with guitars and we would play music and and sing and uh it it was beautiful that like those are some of my favorite moments of being with my family is just sitting around with acoustic guitars and and trying to learn how to play as well myself and sing and you know because I could sing like it was it was always like oh come sing do this and you know and it's being able to bring an experience to people I I really appreciate being able to share that 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 gift absolutely that's beautiful and those are some of the things that I used to be like embarrassed of as a young like young lady like 12 13 but now our home is so quiet Mm. without not my home, but our extended family home, because he was of the whole band. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just different. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. But but you play instruments as well, you, you said. A little bit of a lot of different things, but okay. nothing, you know, not great at anything. But okay. yeah. Enough. All right, well, I wanted to ask you a question I ask everybody who's been on the show. And that is, what does summoning your superhuman mean to you? Okay. So 
I don't know if this answers that question exactly, but you let me know. Okay, this is what you're looking for. Um, so most of my life, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, right? And I was ridiculed for it for a long time growing up. And now I think that that's my superpower. And it took me a long time to realize that. And now I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not defining myself by all the other things that people think that I am. I now know who I am and what I want. And nothing feels better to me than that. It took me a long time. I'll be 50 next year. <laughs> it took me a long time to get there. Um, but I think, you know, the journey comes when it's ready. Like, you know, all these things are leading up to it, right? But now it's the thing that I celebrate the most and I don't hide anymore is my heart. So I think that that's my power. I don't know if that answers your question, but I, yeah, but I, I think that's it because that's what makes me feel doing the opposite of what I did those 12 years is what makes me happy. You know, not keeping it in the minute you, when we do meet, because I feel like we're going to meet one day in person. If you ever see me kind of like looking down and quiet, it's because I'm holding in my emotions and that's when I'm my saddest. So when I am like this, like today and I'm talking, you know, it's because you can tell I cannot hide my feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I cannot. I'd be a terrible poker player. Like I just, I just can't do it. I, I don't. I dislike in like people who aren't genuine mm -hmm. or people who are fake. I just, I, I don't think anything bad of them. I don't think anything. I just can't relate mm -hmm. with them. I don't think anything negative except that it just. I choose not to necessarily have those people in my life because I feel like life is so short, you know, like what you were saying before, take the time to do it now and live in the moment. And people say that all the time, you know, and put your mask on first before like all these things. But I was always, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, I know life is short. I brush it off, you know, and it wasn't until all this stuff happened. And honestly, until my father died that, like, like, like I said, it just changed everything. I thought I knew all this stuff. I was 33, thought I had the world in my palm of my hand, you know, and everything was like tested at that point. And it wasn't until then that I realized how short it really is when you're standing over someone. Um, and it's so like, I don't know the, be the best word I, I use is the anticlimactic moment. I was like, okay, so I, I'm not even sure if this is what happened just now. Like, is this is what's going on. It just, yeah, for me, it redefined everything else, everything else. I didn't pay attention to the little petty things anymore. I stopped arguing with people about the silliest things. I don't do things that I don't like anymore. And I don't feel like I have to explain myself of why I don't want to do those things. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes, I do. I do know. And, and that's why I started the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Because because if you don't, I wasn't looking after myself, you know, I became um, diagnosed with PTSD because of all the trauma um, of the leading up to and, and holding everything in. Um, I used to have nightmares that my father was buried alive for years and it just, I couldn't deal with life. Um, 
anxious, depressed. And I had, I was a new mom and I was waiting to have a baby for 10 years and I was depressed. And I was like, this is not how this should be, you know, what's going on. And I learned, no, I need to take care of myself. Nobody's going to come and save me. This is what I need to do. And I started on this journey and that's what the podcast is about, how you need to take care of yourself before you can go and take care of other people. You know, it's like the Guatemalan family. If you can go and help one person, then the village is better. The whole family unit, you know, you help one mom or one child or, you know, like I know through my work, we have, we sponsored a child there and that child is now going to school. And then if that child remains in school, you know, the next generation is going to be completely impacted. So, you know, it, it, one person can definitely make a difference. Like, I don't know of anything more contagious than kindness and, and all those things, but we forget about ourselves, you know, and that's why I really love our episode that we did on the show and people should go listen to that because it was beautiful. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah well thank you so much Nelia, for everything you've shared I mean that there hasn't been a response to that question quite like yours and what I love about it I guess obviously because I feel like I resonate with a lot of what you just said because trying yeah. trying to protect ourselves from being hurt when you do wear your heart on your sleeve and I think that's probably why you and I just connect <laughs> on so many different levels <laughs> is because we we you know we laugh we cry like you know if you're watching the video you've probably seen us both go through emotions and we don't hide it very well like at least you, you know you're getting the real ass this is us and um, we're sharing our truths and thank you for sharing your truth with us today. It's, it's so valuable, the impact that you're making and, and please never belittle your movements. You know, you've got this coloring book now that you've created. I that do. I'm so excited. You're all about self-care and, and, and so am I like, it's about self-care, self-love, because as I tell people, it's like you, you need to show up for people with a, with an overflowing cup, with a, with a full cup first. And and that's yeah, a I just hear from. Yes, and you do that so well. Like I'm learning from you all the time. You know, you you really do do that so well. But I'm just I'm trying to create all the things that I think would have helped me that nobody really came to me with mm. because I think it will help other people. Mm. You know, and that's just when when you go through something, no matter what it is, a divorce, you know, loss of job, health, anything. It doesn't have to be that you've lost somebody in your life. When you get through that, all you want to do is shout from the rooftops and say, hey, it's okay. This is not going to be forever. You know, it may be 12 years, but there's an end to it, you yeah. know, and then you want to help other people get to that because you know what it feels like before, mm -hmm. during and after. And I always say my life is in two parts, you know, completely two different people, you know, based on our experiences. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I'm so proud of you that you have your podcast. Like, I remember telling you, you know, we were talking before it started, and I'm like, "Look, Ria, you only need two things: a microphone and a box of tissues." Okay, because me—that's <laughs> all you need, you know. I think I cried for like I don't know how many episodes. I was in tears, <laughs> especially in the early days. But that's all you need. You just need a genuine conversation and. That's what matters, you know. Mm -hmm. That's why we do what we do. And, you know, you, you inspired me. You gave me the strength to just do it. Oh, wow. That, that, what yeah. a compliment. 
Truly, truly. Like, I'm so thankful for, for yourself, you know, and there have obviously been some, a few other people that kind of helped give me that friendly nudge to just be like, Rhea, it's, this is what you're doing is bigger than you and just just do it, you know, because people will say You're much it. better at it than I am. Like, oh, you're no. so <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You've been doing it longer than me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I know we, you and I can talk all day. Um, we really could. I am going to put all of the ways that you can connect and, and learn more about Nelia in the show notes. Please connect with her. Please have a listen to her podcast. Our, our episode uh, was, was a fabulous one. You know, it's my biased opinion. Now, <laughs> but they're all great. No, it was beautiful. And, <laughs> and I also have a, another copy of your book that I want to give away to a listener. And Yay. All I ask in return, you know, is, is and, and obviously I've only got one book, so I will give it to the person who shares with me what they took from this conversation. What What is the golden nugget that you took from our conversation today? Share it with me. I'm going to share it with Nelia, and then together we're going to decide who gets the, the book that I have. Fun. <laughs> So, and I'll only know that you've re- you've uh, listened to this episode if you submit your response. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so this I is love it. fun. My first my first giveaway on the Summing Your Human podcast. But I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, um, all the way here from Australia, for being here today and sharing and being so vulnerable with us. And and you've you've shared a lot. I know that there are going to be people taking some some strength from you as I have and as you continue to give. So thank you so much for what you bring to the world, Mia. Thank you. I feel like I was a little bit all over the place, but I just love talking to you and I'm so passionate about Guatemala. Once you hit Guatemala, I was just like all over the place. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, if anybody's like, I just want to end with this. If anybody is listening to your show or my show or anybody's show or, you know, whatever, um, even if you're not the person who's going through the topic that we're talking about, be the person that notices the people around you that might be going through something, you know, quite often, you know, like both of us will talk about, you know, people's traumas and things and challenges. And sometimes, you know, people think, Oh, it's not going to resonate with me when I see the topic name, Mm. you know, but don't kid yourself. Like if you're talking about nutrition or, whatever, whatever it is, the topic is, and somebody's like, well, yeah, that might not be for me. You don't know, because somewhere in that conversation is going to be something. If it doesn't help you, it will definitely help somebody, you know, that may be hurting and, you know, just be open and look around you. Sometimes I think we just have these blinders on. And I think if we, we can help people um, be less lonely, that that would be amazing. You know, because I had a lot of people around me who loved me, who kept asking about me, and I just wasn't present enough to realize they were there. And um, it was a very lonely time for me, you know, so that is one of the things that I feel very strongly about. So just reach out to people around you, even if they, you know, they seem like they're doing okay, just ask them, you know, just be observant. That's all that I ask people to do. Care and compassion just for people we care about you're you're amazing thank you so much (laughs) you're amazing i love it (laughs) all right well thank you for having me on thank you all right what a stellar episode that was i'm gonna keep this super brief 
because I think that Nelia and I went into as much detail as both of us felt so cold to do. And I, I really hope that there's something that you can take away from this uh, and hold dear to you for the next, you know, however long you need it. It, Yeah, she's just an incredible woman. And I mean what I said, I have one of her books to give away to a lucky listener. So all you need to do is just tell me what, what your golden nugget, what your golden takeaway was from this episode Posted on the Summon Your Superhuman Facebook page, or you can DM me on the Insta Summon Your Superhuman page, or if you want, email me directly at rear at summonyoursuperhuman.com. I look forward to hearing your and reading your submissions and and giving one of these books away to you guys. So until next time, superhuman, strengthen your mind, body, and soul muscles, and stay amazing. <laughs>